the Betfair Exchange. More ways to bet, more ways to win. Proud sponsors of the Final Furlong Podcast. The Final Furlong Podcast is proudly brought to you by attheraces.com, the ultimate online resource for racing fans. For only the seventh time in the nation's history, our Thishok, our Prime Minister, Leo Varadkar, made a special address to the nation. In that, it was expected that he was going to announce a complete and total lockdown of Ireland. Thankfully, he didn't, but he did say that we are stronger together for now apart. And that's just kind of the situation that we find ourselves in, in this bizarre world of COVID-19. I hope you're okay, and thank you very much for joining us on the Final Furlong Podcast. I'm your host, Emmett Kennedy, alongside Mr. Rory Delargy. Hello. An enthusiastic hello from Rory Delargy as well. And making his second appearance, (laughs) his second appearance on the show uh, from the weekender, the Racing Post weekender, it is a very warm welcome back to the show to Mr. James Norris. Hi, Emmett. Thanks for having me back. Great to have you back, my friend. And uh, it's also great that we actually have racing on as well. Obviously, since we last spoke to you, racing is now gone from the UK. Uh, cancelled in France, although there is upbeat news from the French. They may be coming back to racing sooner than thought. Um, American racing continues. Maidan will go ahead behind closed doors, so we'll be previewing Dubai World Cup night on Thursday with Barry Faulkner and with Peter Fornital. And we've got Irish racing behind closed doors as well. And Rory, there's been a lot of talk about this, but the fact that Arthishok gave that historic address to the nation and then the very next day the hri said we are going to continue racing he was making the points uh the taoiseach that they're learning from what's happened in other countries uh joseph o'brien has been one of the people who's been very very vocal about the fact that racing needs to continue and that we've proved that we can do that now behind closed doors so are you comfortable with what ireland are doing I'm not entirely comfortable, no, um, but I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. I think it's, it's important to point out that um, while you know, uh, probably the majority of the industry want racing to go ahead, there's a, there's a minority e- even within horse racing who are, who are very concerned about um, a, quite a, a continuation of racing. And we seem to have done okay so far, but there's no... There won't really be any signs where the racing behind closed doors has been successful um, for a matter of weeks after after it started, to be perfectly honest. So um, we hope that um, that everything will uh, carry on and those who are housebound will have racing to look forward to. Um, those with, um, you know, who are employed in the industry um, in whatever shape will still have work. Um, that's a major worry for everyone. It's not a, it's not just a racing thing. Um, um, you know, we should have our eyes open to the entire uh, community. Um, so it's it's a difficult situation. It seems like um, that it's it's worth going on at the moment, um, but we have to learn every day. Um, and of course, if we start getting sickness within the racing community. And then that can grind things to a halt fairly quickly. So it, it seems from from the feedback from um, from the tracks recently, um, the the social distancing, um, the measures that have been taken have uh, been done very well. Everyone um, has an awful lot of respect for what needs to be done, and the chances of um, anyone catching COVID nineteen through these meetings has, has has been minimised as much as possible. But you know it's still it's still a difficult time. We have to be, um, we have to proceed cautiously, and we have to be aware of, of um, what's going on in the wider world. You know, if if we've got shut down elsewhere, locked down elsewhere, then um, you know we have to be aware that that may well come to us in time. Obviously, uh, the BHA made a decision to to suspend all racing until the beginning of May at the earliest. If you look at the Betfair market again, in terms of will racing in the UK resume? Um, by the start of May, uh, you'll find it's about six or seven to one for racing to start again as scheduled. A lot of people think the BHA have taken um, the decision not to race too quickly, uh, but the betting market suggests that's not really the case. So, um, again, you know, there. This is when we talked about Cheltenham and the market for that. Um, there's an awful lot of talk about people um, covering themselves through that market. Not really the case in terms of 
a resumption of racing in May. And, you know, these are these are difficult times. Um, there are people who are employed in the industry who are, who are outspoken about not wanting to go ahead. And, of course, there are a lot of people who are, you know, in the UK who, who can't go ahead with things, who are very upset that things aren't going on behind closed doors. And what we've seen in the last few weeks is that um, what seems sensible one day um, looks, you know, looks less sensible in the light of information that we, you know, we subsequently receive. Um, so all we can do is what appears to be correct at the time and then adjust our behaviour accordingly in the light of new evidence and racing has to be the same. I think that's the second time we've brought the phrase new evidence back to the show, but it is a time of new evidence because when we talked about the Cheltenham Festival going ahead, for example, you know, the Premier League, Champions League, that was all going ahead as well. And that's all now gone. Um, Euro 2020 suspended until 2021 so that all the European leagues can finish. Um, the fact that you would delay a major European tournament, a major football tournament, one of the most watched in the world for an entire year tells you how bad things are. The Olympics is 101 to be scrapped. There's no way that's going to go ahead this year. I, I cannot see it. Um, and I guess the difference between Ireland and the UK is that we're a smaller country with uh, a much smaller population and we don't race every day although ironically we actually will be racing every day for the next few days um, because things have been changed but James from from your perspective I mean you work in the industry obviously writing about racing and you're trying to live your day-to-day life in the UK you're not currently having to self-isolate which is good but how are things affecting you currently and those you love and those who you're friends with? Well, it's it's difficult, isn't it? I feel like when you, you go out now, there is, it might be me projecting, but it does feel like a sort of an eerie sense everywhere because everybody knows what's going on and how careful we all need to be. And then you visit the supermarkets and there's empty shelves. And while you try and you know, move on as as normally as you can. It's 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 basically it's impossible to ignore, isn't it? Um, and in terms of racing, and and the racing posts over here, there's obviously it's, it's obviously very difficult with um, with everything being being stopped over here. But you can understand why it's happened, and and just got to try and uh, f- fill in the blanks really, and get as much information as we can to work out how this is going to affect the industry and. Um, how quickly it could get back up and running but it's I think even when they do start contemplating restarting racing it could only be a gradual process they're not going to just bring the fixture list back to normal and off we go so it could it could just run and run um, just have to wait and see I think for, in it for everything it's frightening seeing some of the video footage coming out of the UK with people just going absolutely bonkers but that's the same in Italy it's the same in France it's the same in Spain um, it totally anecdotally and based only on, on my own evidence I went shopping yesterday in Kilkenny and um, shelves were all stacked there was plenty of food plenty of everything the only thing you couldn't get was hand sanitizer but there was loads of soap, loads of stuff to get, and everybody was keeping their distance, and everybody was was very polite, and um, that's nice to see, because I know that's not necessarily the case in Dublin uh, and in other places, but that was the case yesterday. Um, I have friends who are now out of work, um, some of them who are not getting paid, some who are, and um, cousins who are and friends who are working on frontline services and I have no idea how they're doing what they're doing and I can only admire them for it. Uh, guards who are working 12-hour shifts per day um, and lots more. And down in, in Cork, I think it's 180 staff are currently isolated in the Mercy Hospital, uh, over 200 in CUH. And while they're quarantined in the hospital, they have to continue working. So they're sleeping there, they're eating there, but they're also trying their best to maintain patients as well um, as more and more and more people develop this horrible disease. Even today, I see The Guardian, uh, as we record on Thursday afternoon, uh, The Guardian reporting that the EU chief Brexit negotiator, Michel Barnier, has got COVID-19 
and the Spain death toll is up to 767. So this is this is a real life crisis, and um, we all have to stick together, and we all have to be in it together and support one another from a distance in the best possible way that we can. But at the same time, sport does provide a great distraction and a relief to the mind. Sport can be uh, a comforter and a comfort blanket from the horrors and the reality of the world. And for that, I'm very grateful that we get to watch racing. And there's a strange situation in that British terrestrial television are going to show Thurless on Saturday. I have no idea if it's going to be available in Ireland on terrestrial TV because Virgin Media don't have the rights to Irish racing, but they do have the rights to take the ITV terrestrial coverage. Um, RTE don't turn up unless it's a big meeting. So I don't know if we're going to be able to see the Irish racing on Virgin Media at the weekend. I I could not tell you. Uh, We'll just have to wait and see. But fair play to them for making it happen. And uh, Sky Sports Racing obviously will be showing Maidan as well, where we're going to see some exciting horses. And Look, it's, it's a distraction. And that's the point of this podcast as well, is to try and distract your mind, hopefully entertain you in some way. And um, we're with you, because a lot of people listening to this will be quite low, isolated, and, and feeling panicked. And I don't blame you at all. These are strange, strange times, but please God, we'll all get through it. And um, let's try and have a bit of fun on this one, shall we, Uh, in these serious times. Uh, So Dundalk is not Friday Night Lights. It's an afternoon meeting, which is a little bit strange. Uh, The first race we're going to talk about is the 2 o'clock, the Love Your Mum at the Races weekend meeting auction race. Uh, There is betting coming through right now in Betfair Air Club. It was Jutebi's second start for Henry de Bromhead, 2.5. Donica Aidan O'Brien. That's not confusing at all. Now his first season as a trainer, he had his first winner at Dundalk back in December, 2.75. His brother, Joseph, has line judge, uh, daughter of Don Approach, is currently uh, 6.0, so a 5 to 1 shot. And then we've got Gavin Cromwell with Point Reyes, uh, 6.5, double figure prices. Then about the other two. Uh, Rory, we shall start with you. Small but select field here. Um, Flower Garland for Danica Aiden O'Brien. I actually didn't know Aiden was his middle name. Is uh, your second favorite with Henry heading the betting. Uh, I'm interested in the Don Approach filly, though, for Joseph O'Brien. What about you? Yeah, this is a um, it's an it's a nice little contest. This um, the two who who stand out, I suppose three stand out in form um, in terms of, of what they've shown so far are um, Air Club, who's got that penalty to carry, um, Flower Garland, who belatedly won her maiden last time out, um, but as a daughter of um, Beach of Falesa, who, if memory serves, took quite a long time to get off the mark herself, but uh, ended up um, being quite prolific, and uh, Point Reyes for Gavin Cromwell. Um, who was impressive winning over course and distance in November and then was uh, in a nursery and was disappointing last time out. So they set the, the form standard. Not much to choose between the um, the three of them and what they've achieved. And then you've got Line Judge, who's very well bred, a daughter of Don Approach, um, out of a um, useful performer um, from um, a very good family. Um, I thought she uh, went with a fair degree of promise. And what wasn't a terribly strong um, maiden here in January, um, she finished um, third to Abby Hatcher over seven furlongs. Um, not knocked about um, a bit um, more poorly placed than the principals, um, but keeping on well without being knocked around by Declan McDonough in the home straight to finish third. I thought she'd improve a big chunk for stepping up to a mile. Um, and given the um, uh, given both uh, point and uh, plenty of racing, I thought some. Um, I thought she looked the danger to to Air Club on paper. I'm surprised to see as much between them uh, in the betting because they do have a little bit of um, uh, betting from most of the firms on this, and it's it's roughly six to four Air Club, two to one Flower Garland, and five to one Line Judge. Um, I thought Flower Garland was short enough um, at the prices, and, um, and with improvement, I thought Line Judge was very interesting at five to one. Very much in agreement with you, particularly getting uh, the little weight allowance as well. But the step up and trip, I also think, will suit 
Um, and the way the race panned out last time, the way she stayed on so well, uh, a daughter of a street crime heir, I think, yeah, all weather should suit. And uh, I would be reasonably confident of her running a massive race. I think she's a big, big price right now. Um, 6.0 currently on the Betfair Exchange. Uh, James, for you, what's your current thinking on this race? Well, I think line judge could definitely improve a chunk um, and is, is dangerous. But um, before I saw the prices, I was definitely keenest on Air Club. And while he looks a little bit short, potentially, I'd, I'd probably still stick with him. You know, for Henry de Bromhead, who had two festival winners, despite Notebook and Aplutar not winning. Just, so that's quite an achievement, I thought. Um, but he, 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 he did well on, on debut and he, he beat June of Pilar of um, Joseph O'Brien's who's won twice since, including on the bridle at, at Southall. And he's now rated 92. And, and the third had come into that race off a run in the, the Moigler assurance for, for Bolger. But um, she didn't do anything, hasn't done anything since, but that, that was, still looked a, a good race at the time. And then the fifth and sixth both went close in a similar maiden three weeks later. And then the sixth won another one um, at Dundalk uh, following that and is now rated 72. So I think that was a pretty good good race for the, for the time of year and I suspect that form is is strong enough to, to allow Air Club to to fire a penalty. Um Flower Garland I thought would be shorter actually. I think she was the first ever winner for Donica O'Brien. That's right. Um and she won very easily but it looks a pretty pretty average race with nothing really putting up a fight. Um there's always a worry I guess with the horse trained by an O'Brien a, a Philly trained by an O'Brien who's who starts winning that they could put a string of wins together but I'd, I'd be happy to, to leave her alone. And I think Air Club and Line Judge are the, are the two for me. And Air Club, just because of the strength of that debut form, um, I suspect makes him tough to beat at this level. For some reason, I thought it was back in December. And it just goes to show you how quickly time flies. It was February when Donica trained his first winner. So it's, yeah, because otherwise he'd be a second season trainer. That's true. This is true. Yeah. But it just goes to show you how quickly time flies. Uh, and how it all moves on. So final selections then, it's the favourite for James. You're with Air Club for Henry Drumhead and Wayne Lorden. And uh, Rory and I are going for Declan McDonough and Joseph O'Brien with Line Judge. Uh, we'll move on to the three o'clock, shall we? I'm really hoping that Sarah Lynham's Darkest Hour runs a big race because Sarah's on the podcast on Monday, uh, hopefully alongside Peter, F- Peter T. Fornital. Uh, as we'll tackle a few big conversations that we haven't had a chance to talk about just yet on the podcast as we were a little bit distracted with a certain thing called the Cheltenham Festival. Um, Betting on this one is kind of a guessing game right now, but if you were to go on the forecast as we record at 1.49.33, Juliet Rose is put in as an 11-10 favourite. Dutch Admiral will be second favourite, unanswered around about a sixes chance, and then you're looking at figurehead. Uh, eights and above. Rory, I'll start with you again. Um, Juliet Rose will, I'm sure, be catching a lot of attention for Joseph O'Brien. Um, and Presgrave for Joseph was the one that I was probably the most interested in. Um, five lengths, second on debut back in February, uh, representing Lloyd Williams and a gelded son of Camelot wearing first-time blinkers. I shall be putting my money there, I suspect. Uh, what's your thinking? Yeah, they, they met each other last time out, didn't they? Juliet Rose and, and Presgrave. Mm. Um, with uh, Juliet Rose um, trading very short and running. Um, when beaten ahead by China Storm, she went 102 in the run in a very messy race. She was she was well placed, um, but just done on the line. Uh, Presgrave was slowly away and poorly placed, um, and was um, was only seventh. But he was only beaten four and a half lengths. Um, in seventh, and there, there should be a fair degree of improvement to come from him. Wearing a tongue tie for debut, a little bit of a worry. Wearing blinkers for a second start, you could argue, is a little bit of a worry as well. I would have thought that um, some owners don't like sticking tongue ties on their horses. Indeed, some trainers don't like first time out, and they don't like going for headgear very early. I'd have thought Lloyd Williams would be one of those who's a lot more prosaic um, about the use of headgear. It's just a case of doing the right thing by the horse at the right time. Um, but a little... It's a tiny concern that he, that they're going for blinkers second time out, um, but you can you know you, you weigh that up and you make a decision based on that. Um, in terms of what he's achieved, not an awful lot strictly speaking, um, but then the way that race went, it was difficult for him with greenness 
um, with a slow start in a slowly run race um, to do an awful lot more than he did. So it'll be no surprise to see him um, improving markedly. Um, like um, Juliet Rose, he's very much uh, bred for this trip. Um, she's arguably got the best form in the race. You could, argue, you could say the Dutch Admiral um, you know, was, was fourth in a listed race here last time. Right? That's, strictly speaking, um, the best form in the contest. But I suspect that's, um, uh, that's flattering form. Um, he did he did seem to improve a fair bit. He was a fourth in a um, uh, in a minor event uh, at the track prior to that over seven furlongs. Um, his um, his pedigree doesn't scream stamina, uh, Dutch Admiral, but he, he improved for stepping up a trip in a second start to seven, and he seemed to improve again when fourth in that listed race last time out behind Crossfire Hurricane. But again, that was a slowly run race, and he was well positioned throughout. And I suspect it will it will. Um, proved to be very flattering to him um, and I would have thought Juliet Rose again you know she's, she's not done a, a hell of a lot on the clock because um, I, she needed the experience on debut was slowly away and out the back early on um, before making late headway um, on her debut over seven four months in January uh, and stepped up as I said to be second last time I, that wasn't a particular that was a very slowly run race that turned into a sprint I don't think that would have suited her despite the fact that she was well placed in the race um, you know, on, on pedigree, she's by Camelot out of a Dalakani mare. She's going to be seen to bet a better effect over a very well run. Um, it's an extended mile and a quarter here, but a mile and a quarter, mile and a half on pedigree uh, will suit her down to the ground. And she's probably going to improve a fair bit more um, in the hope that we get a, a, a fairly um, a decent gallop here. Uh, I'm not entirely sure who's going to make the running. Time form suggests that Presbury will make the running. I'm not entirely sure how that's backed up by the. Um, uh, by the figures, uh, given that he missed the break on his only start, but um, uh, there's not, there's no guaranteed pace in this race, and most of these have been involved in, in slowly run races that wouldn't have shown them off particularly well to date. So, the worry going forward again is that, um, that you could get a false pace, which might end up giving you a false result. But given that um, she's been through that scenario before and she's got experience over course and distance. Um, I would favour Juliet Rose here um, to uphold the form of Presgrave. Um, for all, I'm well aware that the um, uh, the stable companion could improve markedly from that debut run. Okay, so that's the analysis from Rory. What about you, James? Give us the gold in the sand. In the sand. Well, I, I agree about Presgrave. I, I think he's he's liable to improve quite a lot for that that debut. And he should be a bit sharper with the blinkers, hopefully out, out of the gates. And perhaps that's why it's, it's thought he might go forward. So I'd, I'd agree with you on, on, on Pressgrave. I think it's probably worth mentioning Haparanda as well, just because she's a half-sister to um, Hazapur and her dam was a half-sister to Harzan, who obviously won on the Derby and the Irish Derby. So she might be a longer-term prospect, but it, it would be interesting to see if she can show something here. Um, she didn't show a great deal on, on debut. Um, but I definitely think she she could be long, longer term this season for, for Dermot Weldon and the Argo Khan. Okay, interesting. She was, of course, dis- disqualified on debut because um, Conor Hoban didn't weigh in after yeah. that goal we made, and so she was knocked back to to, uh, to last. But um, she did make a bit of late progress to finish midfield. Uh, and again, on she's exactly the type of horse making debut late in the turf season um, who would leave that four miles behind. Um, in her, uh, you know, for a second, first or second start as a three-year-old. It was like the penny was dropping very late with her when she started to stay on, and then you had that incident then with Conor Hoban. This will take us on then to a handicap, the 4.30 at Dundalk, Easter week racing, 15th and 19th of April. Hopefully, hopefully, uh, again, as we record on Thursday afternoon at 3.57, we are currently awaiting prices, uh, but I can, I should just say that the maximum field size at Dundalk is 14 which obviously is a perfect number for bookmakers from an each way betting standpoint dang it um but rory is there any particular <coughs> bias that you're looking for Rory? you don't that's the rory virus now it's the delargy virus and not the dreaded COVID 19 isn't it well who knows who oh, knows what it is at oh, stage. oh dear uh, we're more than used to this from uh, from it's, my front room it's a it's something we're well used to um 
field size of, of 14 is there a particular draw bias that you're interested in stalls one to five tend to do well don't they yeah i think um the draw bias is often overplayed um and i don't have i don't have the um uh the figures in front of me for dundalk at the moment um but i can i'll tell you what if you go to james i can dig out the um I can dig out the figures for the draw bias over six furlongs uh, in a field like this at, uh, at Dundalk, and we can talk about that in, in a minute or two. It suits me. Perfect. So Rory's going to get that up for us. I'm going to guess that if you're drawn out wide, it's a disadvantage over six, but I'm willing to be corrected on that. Maybe they've ironed that, out, that one out. Uh, who is taking your interest here, James? Well, um, I see Breeze is, is probably sticking out to me a little bit. Um, it's just left Anthony Mulholland and is now with Anthony McCann. Uh, they put blinkers on for the first time and drawn two. So I, I think it, it it could could definitely get him get involved. It's, it's there are prices now. I think it's six is available at six to one. The favourite major power is about eleven to four. That's going for a four timer. But at this level, it's it's always a bit tricky to be confident horses are going to keep their runs going and uh, I'm hoping blinkers for the first time on on the mare I see breeze and the trainer switch could uh, pay dividends excellent uh, that sounds quite good to me and what price did you say you were getting there six to one I can see Rory hopefully that was enough time for you to come up with the draw bias at Dundalk uh, as I said sometimes um, there is an assumption that particularly in all weather tracks um around a bend that that the inside stall is often the place to be or, or low draws are best and that's generally true but it's not always true of the lowest stall of all um and most all weather tracks um southern obviously is a bit of a law to itself uh, in the uk but uh, most all weather tracks you'll find that um uh stall two and three tend to have a better record um in sprint races and stall one does um, again, Southall, they're over five furlongs. That's a straight uh, five, uh, where low draws do very well. You know, being drawn in stall one can be very beneficial. Uh, and indeed, that's, that's borne out by um, the historic figures for Dundalk. The strike rate in handicaps of stall one, um, eight from 121, and uh, going back a few years, uh, whereas stalls two, 13 from 121, stall three, 10 from 121, stall four, 13 from the same number, stall five, 14 from the same number um so you'll see that there is a there is a, a a bias towards the low numbers but if you see you're drawn one you think you're drawn you're drawn very well you're actually probably drawn worse than stall stall eight or nine um historically speaking uh, indeed stall 13 which you would have thought would be as, as bad as anything in a uh, in a 14 runner race uh, gets the same number of winners historically as stall one uh, so something to bear in mind there. That is very, very interesting and very much worth taking a note of. Uh, yeah, I'd be against major power on that basis, uh, looking at the card. Um, and he'll obviously be very popular coming coming here um, looking for a four-timer. But his last three wins have come over seven furlongs. He's drawn right in, in stall one. Uh, my theory about stall one being, um, being a problem is that you've always got the reel on your inside, which is not... It, it it means you've got um, little room to manoeuvre, really. If you're drawn um, in two or three, you've got an option of, of, of getting out and past or tucking in behind or whatever. You don't install one, you don't get away well. You tend to find yourself pocketed. Um, and I think that's why um, that stall tends to do poorly um, across a number of all-weather tracks um, when there's no other bias at work. But anyway, so I, I'd be against major power on that basis. And I see no reason why um, Poets Pride... Uh, will run his, his race again. He was um, he was a winner here last time out. He has been running up to um, a mile, uh, and you could argue that's a bit of an issue. But I, I don't think he truly stays a mile. He was winning over seven furlongs last time out. I think he'd be perfectly happy to drop back to six uh, based on his historical form for for David Barron. Um, so he would just about be the pick for me. But it's it's an open race, and you pay your money, you take your choice, really, don't you? It's a very open race. And that then brings us nicely along to the 5 o'clock at Dundalk, again over six furlongs. Uh, Ladies' Day, Sunday, 12th of July, Handicap, where Lady Mora will head the weights for Johnny Murta and Gary Halpin. Um, predicted betting, ooh, this is going to be a wide open race. Uh, about fives for Lady Mora, 
Lequiento. My selection is uh, hopefully going to be sixes plus. Um, so, James, we'll start with you. First of all, my man, who are you going for in the five o'clock at Fundock? I quite like Amelia Jane here. Um, she sort of made a step in the right direction last time over a mile, um, but a drop back to six, I think, would probably suit her again. And if, if that run last time was an indication of where she's heading, I know she might look a little bit exposed, but I just think off such a low mark and the, the right drop back in trip, I think there are enough signs to, to give her a chance in what in what's another very open and quite difficult race. Nice and succinct from James. Rory, for you, the five o'clock at Dundalk. Yeah, there's plenty of these. Um, your selection, Le Quinto. Um, Le Quinto! There's <laughs> not even a hint of Italian about it. Le Quinto! Uh, <laughs> what's his sire? Uh, Requiento. 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 <laughs> No, he's um he's having a second start in the handicap so he did improve first time out. He hadn't shown an awful lot in his first three runs. <clears throat> and it's worth bearing in mind that there are other horses in this race. Uh, the likes of uh Lady Susan, uh Kerry Blue, Bankery, um who've had three runs in maiden races or minor company, Lady Alcazar, I should throw in there as well, uh, particularly Lady Alcazar, actually, um, who are liable to improve for stepping into handicaps for the first time. And that makes it three-year-old handicaps in mid-March. I, I'd be treading very carefully, I have to say, because um, a lot of um, a lot of horses who look limited at two uh, will suddenly blossom at some stage in the spring of their three-year-old campaign. I'm not sure we really hit spring yet for that to happen, but you never know. Um, whereas a lot of horses who've shown reasonable form at two won't really progress from two to three and will be very vulnerable. So just be very, I'd be very wary reading the um, the forum book. Um, in saying that, um, I'd give a chance to a strong chance to Seb Star. We haven't seen uh, the son of Kalachi for a while. He's he's well bred. He hasn't lived up to his pedigree um, thus far. John Ox's uh, son of Kalachi. Um, the dam was was very useful, but he did improve over course and distance last time to finish um, second in a low grade nursery. Um, that was clearly a, a career best, backed up by the time as well. He made most of the running there. Um, he'd been handy prior to that. He he made the running when when um, finishing down the field over course and distance in his previous start, finishing weekly as he had done in his early starts. But he kept on really well. Um, despite setting a strong pace last time out under this 10-point claimer. Uh, and although he's now had four months off, so you're taking his fitness on trust, um, I thought the fact that he did take that step forward last time out uh, and the fact that it's backed up by the time suggests that um, he might belatedly be able to um, show form in line with his pedigree. Nicely done, Rory DeLarge. I'll give one more race to mention, uh, Dundalk, and that's the first race, the 130, where Tyr Connell for Sarah Lynham, who's a bit of a legend, it has to be said, and uh, a hero of Dundalk. He'll be coming back into form soon enough, but cover your ears, Sarah. From stall 15, I'm taking you on. Uh, Damien English's Dance Alone, 7.5 on Betfair. Damien gets us off to a winning start, hopefully in the 130 Dundalk. The Betfair Exchange. More ways to bet, more ways to win. Proud sponsors of the Final Furlong podcast. Lads, we just talked about flat racing. I know, I feel a little bit dirty, but, you know, what can you do? And we did it just so subtly. We just went right in. Fun dock. Never highlighted the fact that we were talking about, about flat racing. But let's switch to jumps, shall we? Uh, Thursday, the Pierce Maloney Memorial Novice Chase is a grade three at Thurless. Uh, 10 past 3 over 2 miles and 2 furlongs uh, up towards the top of the weights for Jessica Harrington sizing Potsy uh, for Anne and Alan Potts Limited uh, the late Potts family and uh, then a number of interesting horses including Cheltenham runner-up from last season Dallas the Pictons and uh, Tower Bridge who is desperately trying to regain his form and when I spoke to Joseph O'Brien about his Cheltenham team he was relatively short in the betting for the novice handicap chase that he was runner-up in last year behind the Plutard. And Joseph was very open with his saying that, no, he's not going to Cheltenham. We're not bringing him there. But it looks as though we will see him at the weekend. But you were making the point, though, Rory, that a lot of these races are going to be carpet-entered. Trainers are going to be throwing a lot here. 
we probably have a reasonable idea about Thurlis, but once we get towards Dan Patrick and Nace, then things will become a little bit more tricky. Just looking at the meeting at Thurlis, um, it, it appears to me that there are, there are some absolutely huge fields, and I didn't really want to be digging through races with 50-odd runners to try to, to find interesting um, angles because you, you're not getting any real shape to them, uh, to me. But in saying that, um, at least in the, um, the Pierce Maloney, which is the, uh, the native upmanship novices chase, you get a smaller field. You get an idea of who's who's liable to to turn up there. This looks a decent contest, and it's got a horse that I like in it as well. So that's um, that at least makes it the um, uh, the pick of the card uh, for me. I'm very much hoping that Don Vegan runs. Um, I was very sweet on Don Vegan at uh, Ferry House last time, but the meeting was abandoned and then abandoned again and then abandoned a third time, and we didn't get to see him at all. Um, he was third to cash back at Nice last time out, having won. Um, at Punchestown on heavy ground before that. I thought he got a little bit outpaced in the middle of the race at, at Nace before keeping on well. The extra two furlongs um, will suit him down to the ground. You know, the form of his Punchestown win looks looks solid enough. He's fundamentally a sound jumper. Um, you know, he's only had the two starts over, over fences, but to me, he's clearly going to be a fair bit better over fences than he was um, as a hurdler. And... I think he's got a um, he's got a chance of, of picking up a graded chase, and this looks like a decent opportunity for him. So, obviously, no betting on this at the moment, but um, and we don't know how many how many are going to turn out, or indeed whether he's an intended runner. But given that he's he was declared three times for one meeting, I'd have thought that uh, Pat Fahey would be pretty keen to get a run into him, um, and he would be my pick in the race. Although there are you know there's plenty to say about the rest of the field as well. Um, Dallas Depicton's a very interesting runner, but he's. Um, He's a horse who will be seen to to better effect when he's stepping up and trip, um, and I don't know I don't know if we're going to see it, but something like the Irish National uh, down the line would be interesting for him. Um, he's been campaigned around two and a half miles, but he was entered in the Grand National at the entry before that was cancelled, um, and you know connections have always thought that he would prove a, a different horse on good ground. His his chase form so far lags a long way behind what he did over hurdles uh, until last time out um, when he was a very close force to Royal Rendezvous um, in a, a grade three at, um, at Nace, um, the Nace director's plate. That was um, uh, that was the first time he'd worn blinkers. Uh, it was a big step in the right direction. And although he didn't jump brilliantly that day, having unseated uh, and caused the injury to Jack Kennedy the time before that, uh, he'd have learned plenty from it. And he's, he's maybe the most interesting long-term prospect in there. And his handicap mark's gone up to 140. From one three five on the back of that, but he's he's one of those who's who's interesting going forward. I'm 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 happy to to let him go here, um, but I know that um, well. I suspect that Gordon Elliott has a big handicap in him at some stage. Whether it's whether he goes the Irish National or if he if he if he decides if that isn't a possibility for whatever reason, um, he might be an interesting one for the Galway Plate. So make sure you're adding in uh, Dallas the Pictons to your at the races tracker. Uh, should mention, by the way, that the Betfair ambassador Gordon Elliott made a very interesting announcement yesterday. Tiger Roll is due to run in the Irish Grand National if Ferry House goes ahead. And that's a huge, huge story. And hopefully we will weather this storm. We'll be able to get through it. And we can see him run there. What a what a story that would be. Um, it would be uh, yet another massive long distance handicap for him to go and win. But to go and win the Irish Grand National would take a take an awful lot. And uh, I'd love to see it. It's going to be a big field. There's going to be an awful lot of Gigginstown horses in it. But he would be fascinating if they decide to go there. And there is hope that he will remain in training next season as well, and try and go for the technically three in a row at Aintree next year but Gordon has stated that if it's on they would like to ring, bring Tiger Roll to the Irish Grand National and that Rory from a, from a weights perspective that's going to be fascinating but just his presence in the lineup will it'll elevate that race so so much the interest in it is always massive but even more so if if it goes ahead yeah and obviously that's a, that's a big if at this stage but I suppose with with doubt about where we're going to be in a month's time and two months time and six months time um 
people are, and I think that's reflected in the big field sizes we're seeing um, on uh, Saturday and Sunday. Uh, you know, trainers want to make sure they, they're they're entering horses for races that are liable to go ahead, and you can't look too far in the future. But that that'll be um, that'll be tremendous. Of course, his uh, Tiger Rules rating one six eight in Ireland, so he's not quite as so he'd be end up he'd be better off strictly speaking than he would be in the Grand National itself. Um, but then again, we know that he's, he's especially well suited to uh, um, to entry and, and half the argument about his handicap mark is that, you know, he wouldn't be he wouldn't be as effective at a, you know, at a standard park track. Um, but it'd be a good, good way of finding out, wouldn't it? Yeah, um, absolutely. He, he's, um, you know, I know he was beaten at Cheltenham and much was made of, of the shock of that defeat, but I thought he ran an absolutely huge race given his injuries. Uh, you know, given the fact that need a, an infrastructure preparation going into Cheltenham uh, to finish second, miles miles clear of the field, um, behind um, a horse that um, has every chance of, of becoming a legend himself in, in Easy's Land. So um, he's not lost an awful lot uh, in terms of ability. Tiger Rule, and if he did go um, to to Ferry House, I was going to say the place would be jam packed, wouldn't it? But um, I'm seems, afraid not. That seems wishful thinking at this stage, doesn't it? I'm um, but yes, there'd be the TV figures would be through the roof. Yeah, it would generate so much interest if that happens. It'd be fantastic, and I'd have no problems with a behind closed doors Irish Grand National. That would be absolutely fine with me. Uh, James, let's bring you back in and bring us bring ourselves back down to earth <laughs> as we look at the Native Upmanship race now. The Pierce Maloney Memorial Novice Chase, the three then. Then a Thurless, uh, Dunvegan, so is the selection for Rory Delargy. What about yourself? Yeah, my, my views are very similar to Rory's, actually. Um, I do think Dallas Picton is interesting because those blinkers seemed to wake him up last time, and but for making a mistake two out, I think he probably would have won that. So I suspect he, he could be shorter if he, if in this race if he'd done that. Um, but I, I, I like Dunvegan. Um, the race buying cashback was interesting because 0-10 is likely to take him on again here. And he finished ahead of Dunvegan that, that day. And he was probably the only horse that could that could go with cashback while Dunvegan was left a bit flat-footed. But the way he's, he sort of picked up late on to get quite close to 0-10 makes me think that over this extra two furlongs, he can reverse that form. And I've always really quite liked him. He's a flashy grey, which is, I'm a little bit susceptible to generally. But he's, he's always given me the impression he's got quite a lot of talent in there and we haven't quite seen it. I mean, over hurdles, he, he, he won really, really easily and then didn't seem to progress. And his chase debut um, was interesting because I think Breakin went very, very quickly, pulled very, very hard. And some people thought Dunvegan was a, a lucky winner, but I think he was going to get there and he would have been a, a good winner anyway. And uh, in this sort of contest, I, 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 I really like him. I mean, he, he was sort of on my radar for the novice handicap chase on day one at Cheltenham, um, but he never never got that third run in. And I'm not sure if it was ever actually an option, but he was always up there in, in the antipost betting. And I just think this this is a, is a race he can he can win now. Um, sizing Potsy, I think, isn't quite as good as that 12-length win last time made him look. Um, it was pretty horrible ground that day. And I, I, I don't think many of those rivals actually handled it. And Cut the Mustard seems to cut out quite quickly generally. So he's potentially overrated on that on that form. Um, so yeah, Dan Vegan is, is the one for me as well. Some people are probably going to look at his form with Captain Guinness because he was running a blinder in the Supreme. Um, and obviously the the two wide margin wins last time and he may very well end up making the market for his Pat Vahey won this race two years ago back in 2018 with Castle Grace Paddy hopefully he can do so again with Dunvegan that's the 310 at Thurless as we move along to Downpatrick on Sunday where the Randox Ulster National Handicap will be the feature race uh, 29,500 to the winner again as we're recording on the Thursday afternoon uh, your guess is as good as mine as in terms of prices and your guess is as good as mine, Rory's and James's as to who the hell is actually going to line up there's 700 horses entered well not 700 but you know 35 currently entered for the race um, your shortlist for this one Rory I'd love to see good old Venetian DeMay get a run in here uh, but he's number 23 currently so possibly not but who's on your shortlist for a race that I know you're very fond of well as a um, as a northerner myself it's uh, it's a race that um, that's always been of some interest Gordon Elliott has uh, loads in the race he at also, this stage he also <laughs> has the best named horse for the race at the current point 
in the uh, Philip Brindle source, it's all guesswork. Because it guesswork. literally is. Yes. Yeah, well, Gordon at this stage has Elwood, Gun Digger, General of Principle, Woodswell, uh, Chev de Kernavieu, uh, de Kernavieu even, after telling you off. It's all guesswork. Out Sam, who was, of course was third in the cross country at Cheltenham, uh, Diamond Turf and Poor Man's Hill, and Robin Dupois. Uh, so he's not going to be running all of those. Um, and it's difficult to get a great angle um, on Gordon's there. But there's a couple that are, that are of interest to me that I'll um, I'll mention. Interest to see um, and Shalahi Klischuk back uh, after a, a longish absence uh, in different um, uh, in different hands now as well. Um, but got to mention last year's winner, who's very lightly raced since uh, Amelino. Uh, won this race last year for Roy Watson um, off a, a lowly handicap mark. He would have been a bit of a a little bit of a surprise winner, I suppose, although he'd, he'd won at Leperstein in his previous start, having struggled a bit before that. Uh, he's still only a seven-year-old. Uh, he went to Aintree, uh, not for the Grand National, but for the um, the uh, the listed handicap chase um, that's run before the Grand National and disappointed there, didn't really jump. Uh, but those are stiff fences, on the mile course of the entry. Since then, he's had two runs over hurdles, well beaten both times, but um, the, the second run particularly would have been just to get him uh, spot on for this. Uh, didn't wear his usual headgear that day at Navan last month. I say last month, sorry, early this month. And Roy Watson will have got him here cherry ripe for this race. So he, he's one not to um, not to rely on recent form. The form they showed him winning this race last year gives him a decent chance. And... Uh, the other one I'd be reasonably keen on in the race is Rocky Silver, um, who was disappointing in the national trial um, at Punchestown last time out. Prior to that, he'd um, uh, he'd been a winner at Punchestown over three mile one and a half, finishing very strongly under Derek O'Connor. He looks a thorough stare. I know he was beaten over that three and a half mile trip last time out, but his his jumping led him down there. And, and to be honest, his jumping had looked fairly assured prior to that. Um, I think you can draw a line through his last run and looking at his overall record, he's, you know, his chase record particularly, he's been mixing chasing and hurdling uh, this season, but his, his chase form prior to Punchestown last time out um, was was going in the right direction. Um, I don't think a mark of 130 is beyond him and he would be very high on my shortlist for the race. What about you, James? Who's on your shortlist for the Ulster National? Well, I suspect the Leinster National might be key to this race. Um, fourth was general principle there. But the one I like most is, was second, Sheb de Curvenue. Oh, good he man. Lo- good man. Yeah, he had a lot of experience in France over fences. And then he's he's arrived at Gordon Elliott and he's been quite consistent um, in four runs. And he should be seven pounds better off, I think, with If You Catch Me Now, who finished not miles behind at Punchestown over three and a half miles. Yeah. And he just he seems to be shaping really well, particularly last time behind Cap York, who's also a horse I quite like. He just feels like the obvious one in, in this this open race. I love it. And I, I thought that run in particularly the two last runs, Punchestown and Nace, were gold. So I'm following you in there. Delighted to hear you say that. So that's the Ulster National. This then brings us back to the flat, gentlemen. And Nace... On Monday, uh, we'll talk about the 4.30 so at NACE, which is the one-mile Lodge Park Stud EBF Park Express Stakes. It's a race that Dermot World has done quite well in over the years. Cheery Bayo for Jim Bolger will be running. Aidan O'Brien's got Blissful. Jarlines has a Coolmore runner even so. Uh, Donica has Flower Garland. Tommy Stack's got Too Soon to Panic which is also a very aptly named horse, although I think it's probably probably are in the middle of panic. And the group three, so Rory, what interests you? Well, it won't be the strongest group three of the year, um, obviously, but there are there are plenty of potential improvers um, in the field. Uh, I thought, um, again, we don't have declarations, and I don't know whether um, you're going to have the likes of Even So lining up against... Um, uh, blissful here, but I thought even so was an interesting runner um, for uh, for Jerry Lyons. She's very much bred to come into her own uh, as a three-year-old. Um, she's a half sister to um, uh, to Miss Latin, um, who's a, a mile and a half winner. He stayed stayed two miles. 
uh, Breeze Hill, the dam, stayed a mile and a quarter well, uh, and comes from the family of Dr. Devious. So she did well to to be placed over an extended seven furlongs first time out of Tipperary and got off the mark at Goran um, on her second start, um, winning with, with plenty to spare. Strictly speaking, that's, that's not outstanding form when you're looking at a, at a group three. Um, but I thought in terms of, of the field, she was open to as much improvement as anything here, particularly um, stepping up in trip. Uh, she she was um, uh, she came from um, from close to the rear on her debut. She made all the running uh, second time out. Again, that was a it was a late September maiden at Gore, and it wouldn't have been the strongest uh, contest in the world. But she won it um, with plenty up her sleeve, uh, and given her pedigree and uh, her trainer, I thought she would improve considerably for that. So it's a tough old contest. She's got to improve a past uh, past two or three of these if indeed she is going to run in the race. Uh, but I thought she would... Um, well, she's certainly of considerable interest. We don't have any betting to go on either, but uh, I'd be as interested in her as I am in anything in this race on paper. The other thing to say is that in terms of the bet for exchange, the liquidity is going to be unreal, far bigger than it would normally be for Irish racing. It is quite big anyway, but it's going to be much bigger over the weekend because there's no UK racing to bet on. Don't be afraid to post up. Don't be afraid to ask for a bigger price. Uh, same thing applies to in-running bets as well. But it's going to be even so for Rory DeLarge for the Coolmore team. Um, James, for you, the Group 3 at Nace, 4.30 on Sunday, on Monday even, the 4.30 on Monday at Nace. What's your selection, my man? Well, too soon to panic. Definitely the most appropriate one, <laughs> given the name. Um, but she's got a little bit to find with Blissful. And I'm not actually that mad about Blissful herself. She won a listed race narrowly last season after winning a maiden narrowly. And then I thought she got exposed really in the Rockfell when soundly beaten by Daye. And I would be tempted to to have a have a go at the uh, Jim Bolger horse, Cherubeo, who you mentioned, because she was so green on debut. She nearly threw Kevin Manning off last year. I think she spooked something in the, in the, in the, in the latter stages. Um, the fact that she managed to win anyway uh, is quite positive. And it's, this is the sort of race at this time of year probably in testing ground that I'd rather take a chance on something really relishing it and you never know especially with Jim Bolger at this time of year he can he can often have this card can have two or three or four winners if he's if he comes out firing he tends to have a, a pretty good record early in the season in Ireland so he'll be an interesting <laughs> she'll be an interesting runner uh, he's also got um Hal Halamini Halami we'll go with that uh, for her, for Jim <laughs> Bulger in the four o'clock. The Defoy stakes, I've given up. Um, Sir Dragon A is scheduled to make his comeback in this listed race at Nace. Um, Rory, again, we're, we're kind of playing guesswork here. Last year, Jess Carrington took the race with still standing, but Sir Dragon A back in training. It all went horribly wrong in the Derby. He did run a, a good race. But after that, he just wasn't quite the same. Well held in the St. Ledger as well. But it's exciting to see him back because if they can get him right, then he's a very, very interesting prospect. Yeah, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be too harsh on him for the St. Ledger on. He's beaten three lengths in the end um, behind uh, a horse that many people consider to be absolutely outstanding and logician. So um, it was it was a lot um, very quickly in his career going to Epsom on his third start, having made his debut completely unfancied in a maiden at uh, a Tipperary at the back end of April. Um, and the question is whether um, whether that has a lasting effect or whether you take the view that given a long break um, since September, he will get back on an upward curve again. Uh, I think he's, he's quite likely to. I think your biggest problem at this stage of the year is working out who's, um, whose teams are going to be most forward rather than you know picking out who you think the best horses are. And I wonder whether Sir Dragon A will be, will be cherry ripe for this. Um, so early in the season, that would be my uh, that would be my concern. We were talking about which which yards tend to um, tend to get going. Uh, the, the other stable that I'd always keep on, on on side of this stage of the year would be Fuzzy Stack, who's got too early to panic in the uh, uh, in the Park Express. Um, uh, Fuzzy and, and his his father before him always very very strong in the opening weeks of the season. So bear that in mind as well, uh, particularly when the ground is bad and we don't have. Do we have a, an advanced coin description for Nace? I'd imagine it's pretty pretty soft. It's heavy right now. Heavy, yeah. And again, that's that's something to bear in mind. A soft ground should suit Sir Dragon. He handled it very well at Chester, but 
Uh, and of course, he was he was racing on on quick ride at Epsom and um, at Doncaster after that. So that should be fine for him. But my as I said, my gut feeling is that he's going to be a little bit behind. I will put up as a horse who will who will um, improve again this season. I liked him a lot last year. Nickajack Cave. Um, he was, you know, he, he worked his way through the ranks um, in handicaps last season um, and only sort of t- took the step up to uh, listed group company um, uh, in the uh, in the late summer onwards. He was third in a listed race on heavy ground at Limerick on his final start. That was a career best, but he'd been threatening that before that. Um, I thought he was a little unlucky not to finish closer um, in the Northfields handicap at, at the Curra in September. As you know, you don't get um, handicaps around around um, a mile and a quarter more competitive than that. Um, he finished fifth in a field of 16. To me, he he's, he looks like he wants to dig in the ground. Most of his form last season was on was on a quicker surface, but that second um, daddy start at Limerick in October, maybe you don't um, treat form from the end of the season in the same respect you do um, mid-season form, but that. That looked like an improved effort. Um, as I said, he looked several times through the season like he could make the jump from decent handicaps into um, listed in group company. And I'll give him a chance to be well enough forward now to take advantage of that. Anything here for you, James? Well, I think it's a very interesting race. Um, and I think as Roy said, the key is knowing or working out who, who are the most forward. And I, I, I suspect, I, mean, I, I hope the fact that, that Aidan O'Brien is sending so many entries at, or firing so many entries at this card suggests he's more forward than is often the case, but Sir Dragonet does look the sort, the potentially high-class four-year-old that he, he sends out needing the run, but if he doesn't, he, you'd have to fancy him, especially on this ground, because the way he moves suggests he, he, he would probably enjoy a testing surface, and as Roy said, the, the St. Ledger run is actually a pretty good one, and I'm one of those people who does rate Logician very, very highly. Um, but one one the most interesting one I probably... F- for me is Pondus because I liked him a lot for James Fanshawe like, when he was over here. Um, he ran really well at Newby one day behind Fox Chairman horse I also rate quite highly. And it's very interesting to see Joseph O'Brien now has him for Lloyd Williams. Uh, I'm sure they have some some interesting long-term plans. And he, I don't think he minds this ground either. So if Sir Dragonet does find himself needing the run, he would probably be the one to go for. Although if there's something to, to sort of spring a surprise, maybe it's Brogue who again was another, a bit, bit like Cherubeo in the last race we talked about. He was very impressive at Cork, but it was quite a long time ago in May, May last year. He looked he looked a horse with you know, quite a lot to give there. And if Dermot Weld has him firing now, he, he could he could spring a surprise, I think, assuming he handles the ground. They're all horses that should be going into your At The Races tracker. It is something that should be noted as well, that Joseph O'Brien now has in his care not only Pondus, ex-James Francho, but also an ex-Agacan horse, Vermilli, V-E-R-I-M-L-I, uh, won three in a row in France, was second just narrowly under Christophe Sumion on his last start in Deauville last year, and Lloyd Williams has acquired him from the Aga Khan, and he's been transferred from Alain Duroy de Prey to Owning Hill, so yet another recruitment to Joseph O'Brien's yard. These, these are both Melbourne Cup types. They have to be. In terms of, you know, this this is the idea, um, Lloyd Williams buys horses like this, who may turn into Melbourne Cup horses. Uh, and it's interesting, they're both entered in a listed race early in the season because I believe um, in order to pre-qualify for the Melbourne Cup, you need to win a listed race or be placed in um, in group company um, at, a, at, a, uh, at the right sort of trip. Um, I don't know. There's a mile and a quarter and and, and further. Actually, it may not it may not be um, distance specific at all, to be perfectly honest. Um, but yeah, you need to you need to be able to to um, to qualify for the race in the first place by um, by getting that black type. So winning a listed race um, historically has been the um, uh, the the hurdle you've got to jump. Um, um, and obviously, it's interesting that Joseph has got both of these out reasonably early. Um, because the earlier in the season you are, the weaker those listed races are. And of course, if you then meet your your qualification to get into the race, then you can plan your schedule in a different sort of way. Um, you can you can you know race your horse in the races that suit it best. Uh, if you're thinking about the Melbourne Cup, whereas if you're not qualified, you're looking through the season about where can I where can I find a race that's weak enough 
um, for me to get qualification or, you know, what's what's the best race to go for in order to get there. If you get that out of the way straight away, then that's a worry off your mind. So it's interesting the pair of them are in here. Good shout, Rory. Uh, there are seven and eight on the card as we record on Thursday, Pondus and Vermilly for Joseph O'Brien with the Melbourne Cup. Surely the long-term target. Pop quiz, hot shots. Opening race at Nace is always the five furlong two-year-old maiden. In the last 10 years, how many times has Aidan O'Brien won this race? Rory. Uh, that's a good one. I'm going to say once. James. Uh, none. Did you look that up? No, I just I was going to say once, and I was either going to go two or none, so I went for none. You, I heard a no, mouse click. I, I bet he does well at Liar's Dice. I heard a mouse click in the background. Yeah. The correct answer is zero. No wins from the It's always, see, when years. you say that, it's either eight or nine, or it's, or it's nothing. zero or one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It tends to be. Uh, Jim Bulger won it three times in a row, uh, including with Don Approach, who would go on to win a Coventry in a 2000 Guineas. Some interesting runners. They've got a yeah. Air Force Blue having his first runner in Ireland and the UK if he runs that'll be Giorgio Vasari so we'll see if he lines up and horoscope for 300,000 guineas it would just be worth looking up that race Giorgio Vasari is, is interesting isn't he like being by Air Force Blue it'd be interesting to see if he's a proper stallion yeah and he's a half brother to Sioux Nation who won the Norfolk and the Phoenix Stakes so you know the moment when there's better ground he, he's one that'll probably come out and could be quite useful and this is a, it's a tricky contest this in that um, it's going to be very heavy ground uh, and you're looking at largely unfit two-year-olds or, or, or two-year-olds who could be got fitter. So you're looking for really speedy pedigrees, but most sort of naturally speedy um, types will probably struggle um, over a stiff five furlongs and heavy ground first time out. Um, so it's not always the easiest way. I always tend to just look at the folding date and see who's, who's sort of fold in January and February. And it's not a it's a very um, broad brush, um, but the earlier you're full, the more forward you tend to be. And uh, Falsaran of Donaha is a January full by No Nay Never out of a Fastnet Rock mare. And if I had a guess at one that's that's forward, um, that would be that. But there's an awful lot of guessing going on here. We're done. Um, anything to get you excited for the weekend? What are you really looking forward to, James? Well, one thing we didn't mention actually was the bumper down, Patrick. I just, it- potentially could have Bally Adam against you say it best and Ragnar Lodbrook. I mean, they might not, none of them might run, but that, that's potentially a really interesting race for next season. Bally Adam and you say it best, both impressive point to point winners, both very expensive purchases at Cheltenham. Bally Adam was absolutely hounding betting for his debut. Didn't really seem to handle the really horrible ground, but he traveled very nicely. And, and if, if that materializes, it's definitely something worth watching. It certainly keep me interested for the, for the weekend. I'm wondering if they will run him because of the ground, but if they do, yeah. it would be fascinating to see him out again because the Jane was very keen on him, but also the time form, I can't remember who it is, but the time form guy, guy who does the sectional times for points to points was raving about him. Absolutely you can raving watch about actually, him. If you, Google, if you look at him up, up on Twitter, you can watch that race and he does, he does hack ground. Oh, it's insane. Easily. It's, it's insane. He's, he's a, Definitely a very exciting prospect. So, yeah, well worth mentioning that. Uh, Rory, for you, what are you most looking forward to watching over the weekend? Uh, martial law being enacted. <laughs> Hopefully we'll screen it live. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sure Sky News will, um, will stream it live. Yeah, I hope that doesn't happen. I really do. And I hope you're safe and that you're okay. You're social distancing yourself. Your mental health is as well as your physical health. It's an incredibly frustrating situation, but we have to make the best of it. And we have to come together while also being apart. So do what you can to help those you love who may be afraid to ask for help. And don't be afraid to ask for help yourself. Nothing wrong with having to do that. There's nothing wrong with being afraid. These are really scary times. It's unprecedented. This is something that we'll hopefully all be able to look back on and talk about how bonkers those few months were. And hopefully that's all it will be. Just a few months and we'll get past it together. If you are 
a huge racing fan and I hope that you are listening to the Final Furlong podcast, then I strongly recommend you go on to attheraces.com because there is so much content there. Brilliant content looking back at Cheltenham, particularly from Simon Rowlands. Declan Ricks has put up a brilliant article as well. And lots of other fantastic content too and lots of interviews, uh, stable tours and um, real and accurate updates about what's currently going on in the racing world. So make sure you're checking out attheraces.com. And with that in mind, don't pay attention to WhatsApp rumors. Don't pay attention to Twitter rumors. As Harry Derham said the other day, it's probably time for real news instead of fake news. Go to whatever news service it is that you trust. Read the NHS. Read the HSE and follow their guidelines. And with the help of God, we'll all get through this together and we'll be back to normal. Well, as normal as we can be, sooner rather than later. All joking aside, um, let's hope that um, we're all able to pull through this and things start looking up. There are signs elsewhere in the world that um, taking the right precautions uh, will see us through things uh, in the not too distant future. But um, we we can't just ignore the advice that we're given. We've got to do the right thing and um, hopefully doing the right thing early means that we're back to normal quicker than we might have been otherwise. 100%. The South Korea are showing very positive signs of uh, going in the right direction. So please, God, we'll be able to do the same in the UK and in Ireland. Be safe, be well, physically and mentally. And uh, hopefully you enjoyed this episode of the Final Forum podcast. We'll be back with more next week as we look ahead to Maidan with uh, Barry Faulkner and Peter Fornatel and we're hoping to do a show on Monday as well with Sarah Lynham and Peter Fornatel so until then from James Norris take care everyone from Rory DeLarge keep well speak soon be safe be kind to others and mind yourself we'll talk to you soon God bless will it happen or won't it happen you can bet on it with the Betfair Exchange proud sponsors of the final furlong podcast Have you downloaded the free At The Races app yet? With easy-to-use race cards and form, expert daily tips, plus video replays and in-app betting, it's the app that no racing fan's phone should be without. Available for free on your iPhone or Android mobile, visit attheracers.com forward slash app for more details.